Hi there, and thank you so much for tuning in this week to the Dream to Destination podcast. We are going to have a great conversation this week with my guest, Brittany, and her blog is She Goes With Purpose. And I found her by um, some online uh, Facebook blogging networking groups, and I read the first line of her blog which I'm going to read when she comes on. And I just was like, I need to just, we need to have a conversation that that line is going to resonate with so many people. So Brittany is a traveler, a self-proclaimed homebody, and someone trying to strike a balance between those two extremes. So in the pages of her blog, you're going to find practical information about places she's been and tips to live and travel with intention. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Shelly. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. So like I mentioned, I read the first line of your blog and I don't know, it just really like super struck a chord with me. And I think that it will um, with a lot of people. And it says, I don't believe that anyone is truly fearless. So tell, first of all, yes, you're, you're so right. And I guess with, especially with solo travel, I know you've done some solo travel. Um, that's something you hear a lot from, from people who haven't done it, you know, and they're, it's always like, you're so brave, you're so fearless. And it's, you know, it's like, no, I'm not. Of course I have fears. I'm a human, you know, but you know, you kind of, you do it anyway, you have the fear and you do it anyway. I think for me, that's the key. So what were you, what was really the motivation behind? I don't believe that anyone is truly fearless. Um, I mean, exactly that. Like I, wrote this post shortly after arriving in New Zealand um, by myself so far away from home for the first time on like uh, extended solo travel um, adventure and you know talking to friends and family back home they're just like I can't believe you're doing what you're doing. Like, I would never be able to do that. You're fearless. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not fearless. Like, I am so scared doing this, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the way most things get done. And I actually think people like sort of put the idea in their head, like, I'm too scared, so I can't, you know, and I just think, you know, if you just replace can't with can, you know, that's the only difference between a solo traveler <laughs> and like someone scared to do it. You know, you just make like that one little tweak, at least like that's the way that I see it. So yeah, New Zealand, I don't know. Like, I guess that's the farthest you can get away from the US for sure. Yeah, it's so far away. It took me like, <laughs> I feel like it took me three days to get there. Like it was so crazy far away. And you like time travel to get there too. <laughs> it's like I, tr I went um, from the East coast of the US to the West coast and then across the Pacific. So you cross the international date line. So like I lost an entire day in the process of getting there because they're basically a day ahead of us here on the East coast. Yeah, I've done, um, I've been as far as, as Indonesia, but I, I did that route from um, 
Miami to San Francisco, San Francisco to, where did we go? Taipei. So that was the 12 hour flight. And then another six hours to Indonesia. And yeah, so it's, it's 24 hours of like in the air travel time. And like that alone can like, can really shake shake you up and shake your confidence and I see you wrote in your blog like you know you describe yourself as stoic um Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but you say like that that makes you laugh um what do you like for someone I think like you know maybe more introverted or more quiet or more you know seemingly like put together um you know how do you kind of like how do you step into the unknown, let's say, of, of traveling alone? That's a really good question. (laughs) Um, I mean, as an introvert, I prefer traveling alone. Um, It's easier to do. Um, Traveling even with like one other, one other person is very draining. Um, So you know, like the getting out there and doing something by myself is no problem. Um, But there is that underlying like anxiety that sometimes can hold you back. Um, But when you want something so much like you find the motivation to do it yeah I think that's like that's definitely the key you know it's it's being like I am uncomfortable but I am doing it you know you can be both things at the same time you can absolutely be both things at the same time and it's a strange feeling but you know just owning that apprehension and that fear and the, and the anxiety and you know like holding on to it and and using it to back up your motivation I think is is what helps yeah so this blog which again um there's a link to the blog in the show notes if you want to check it out it's like really like we we chatted a little bit beforehand before hitting record and you called it like stream of consciousness writing and it really is like very confessional um it's very like personal and i'm like so honored that you are sharing that um on the podcast but yeah i think um again i think this is just something that like people a lot of people would would really you know resonate with you talk a lot about you know fears anxieties and depression and you know i think again that's just like even statistics show that that's something that comes up for just more and more of the population year after year so you know please do head to um the blog that is linked in the show notes to to read the full thing but we're definitely going to be talking about um how travel forces well, has forced Brittany and can force you um, to face your fears and, you know, to just really find that balance, you know, between the two opposites where they can both exist, where you can both be nervous or scared or whatever word you want to use, but be doing it anyway. So you talk about fear 
is not something to mess with. And again, like, I mean, I personally just like, like so many things you say in this blog, I was like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> like, so fear is not something to mess with. So what do you, what do you mean by that? So like, you know, you, you feel fear for a reason. It's your, you know, little Neanderthal brain telling you that you're in danger, like something's gonna harm you or, you know, kill you even. Um, and so I don't think it's anything to brush off. It's like, a, it's an intuition. And, and you really have to pay attention to your intuition when you're traveling, especially solo as a female. Um, and so even if it's like a silly, or, you know, like what you think is a silly fear, I think it's something to at least pay attention to. Yeah, I, I give that tip a lot. Um, and I, I mean, I think that like, especially as women, we're kind of, you know, trained to be like, oh, like, you know, don't listen to your thoughts. There's no kind of you're, you're emotional, you know, there's no data to back it up and, and all those kinds of things. But it's like, you can let the fear or the intuition like be the data <laughs> because yeah. like, you know, say you're somewhere and you get a bad feeling and, you know, your bad feeling says like, don't walk down this one street, whatever the case may be, you know? And then you're like, no, well, let me, you know, I don't have any facts. Let me do it anyway. And then something bad happens. It's like, what was the payoff? Why couldn't you have just been like, okay, let me avoid that street, you know, instead of like, let me find out and then let something potentially awful happen to me. But I think it's, you know, you, I think it's like a muscle that you flex learning how to, to pay more attention to your intuition. And for me, solo travel was like, okay, I instantly have to pay attention. I don't know if you, I don't know if something like that happened to you where you're just like, okay, I need to 100% listen to myself and my, you know, honor the fear. Um, there was like, like on this trip in New Zealand, there was like a couple of things that, you know, like a little trigger went off and I was like, I, I don't like this. Like, um, maybe maybe I should like change my plans here and you know there was one instance where I didn't because I'm like oh it's too much work to 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 change my plans at this point and I just went through with it and it ended up being awful you know like I definitely did not listen to my intuition and it turned out to be a waste of a whole week and a bunch of money and it was not good um so it was i showed up at this hostel um gosh i'm blanking on where it was i've probably like wiped it from my memory because it was so bad <laughs> but i like made the reservation over the phone um showed up to the hostel uh like a day or two later and they made me like wait outside for like two hours. And the whole time I was like, why am I like just waiting outside? Like I didn't pay a, 
a fee, like I didn't put a deposit down, like I have no commitment to this place, like I should just go. And then I just kept on waiting. I'm like, I'm just gonna wait because I don't wanna, you know, walk across town to another hostel or, you know, use up my data to find another place to call. So I kept on waiting and then they finally came out and on the phone, they had told me um, that they would put me in a female only room, which is, uh, you know, minimum um, requirement for me is to be in a female only room while I was traveling. And um, they did not put me in a female only room and I stood my ground. I said, no, I actually was told that I would have a female only room and um, I'm not, I'm not accepting this room. So I turned around and I left, like I walked out of the, the room and um, finally like brought up on my phone to like, uh, you know, booking.com or something to find another place. And a couple minutes later they came running out and they're like, oh no, 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 actually we do have um, a female only room available. Um, so just come, come with us and we'll put you in that room. And at that point, I should have just said no, because in my gut, I felt like it was a big no after having waited for like two hours outside in the hot sun and then trying to put me in a room with, um, with male guests. Um, that was like two strikes. Um, but because I was just like so tired and like hungry and hot and I just wanted a place to stay. Um, I took the room that they put me in, paid for the whole week in advance. And gosh, it just the whole the week was just so bad. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it definitely sounds like one of those things. But like, also, this is kind of the way you learn that you're like, maybe I do need to listen to my intuition and kind of take something. It kind of takes something like this, you know, um, yeah. it's this unfortunate, but lesson like I that did not happen again after that and and never will <laughs> that's so great I mean and like that's kind of the one of the big points that I feel like I somehow address one way or the other in like every single podcast and it is definitely the listening to your intuition so I yeah I I don't know if you've ever heard of this book it's called the gift of fear and um it was one of like the Oprah book club books. I don't necessarily know exactly what that means, but I know that it means that a lot of people bought this book. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> me included, and it's called The Gift of Fear. And the author is Gavin DeBecker. And he um, he's kind of like not the person you'd think would write this book, which, is, which I oh, love even more, but he's like a private investigator uh, kind of a guy. And he writes about how pretty much a hundred percent of like his female clients somehow came into this situation of not listening to their intuition about a guy mm. and are now seeking him out you know for like private investigative services to either like track down someone who like liquidated their bank accounts or like you know you know stole everything from them or abused that like and it was Every, he said 100% of them were like, I knew he wasn't a good guy. I knew he wasn't a good guy. And it inspired him to write this book, which is really all about like the biological necessity of fear um, that you mentioned when we started talking about this. Wow, but, no, I've not heard of that book, but it sounds like 
I should read it. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I have the audiobook. I think I've listened to it twice. I haven't listened to it in a while though, but yeah, it's, it's all about how we, you know, what's the, what's the cost of, of not listening to your intuition? like finding out that something bad is actually going to happen. Like it doesn't even make sense to then go through with it. Why do you definitely need to prove that something bad's going to happen? Why, why not just take, you know, the intuition as fact, which is the entire point of intuition. You know, it's meant, it's only one reason for existing, so to speak, is to keep you alive. Yeah. So I love um, kind of what you wrote. Um, to, to wrap up that section of, of your blog where you write, um, you know, you don't think you're ever going to not have these fears, certain fears or anxieties, but you can continue to learn from them. So what do you think, you know, you learn, what would you say you learn from, from fears and, and anxieties? Um, well, the biggest thing is that um, you, you can face them like they're big and scary and they seem like they're unsurmountable but you can you can do hard things like you can you know overcome this one time and it might not be you know this one time and the fear's gone forever like you might face the fear again but you know you've done it before so you can do it again you know yeah. How did this come up for you specifically with, with solo travel? I know, you know, like people are very well-meaning when they give you warnings, like that's, you're crazy. That's crazy. That's scary. That's dangerous. You know, and I know they're being well-meaning, but I swear if you then followed up with like, have you ever solo traveled? They're going to say no, because like anyone who's done it is going to be like, yes, go, go now, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so it's, true. It is so true. I, I always, you know, you have to consider the source. You have to always consider the source of information because everyone is, you know, everyone's speaking to the, their own kind of bias and through their own personal lens. But yeah, I swear that if someone, if you want to solo travel and someone's like, no, 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 scary, dangerous, bad, alert, alert, be like, have you ever done it? They're going to say no. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just them projecting their own fear. It's so true. So did you have anything like specifically something like that come up where people warned you or that even the fear, you know, kind of for solo travel came up for yourself and maybe any like advice on just sort of like transcending that before that thought sort of takes over? Um, I mean, I definitely had some people like when they found out I was going to New Zealand, they're like, oh, but earthquakes. And I'm like, okay, well, I lived in California for years and there's earthquakes there and I'm alive today. Um, you know, that's not a big deal for me. Um, and then, you know, like my little brother is like super protective and he's like, he drove me to, to pick up the the bus to get to the airport when I was leaving for this trip. And he's just like, I just don't like how you're going to be so far away. And I'm like, you know, this isn't the first time I've been so far away before. Like, it's just for longer and maybe like a little bit further away. And those are like the two examples that really come to mind. And they aren't really, they weren't anything that made me afraid. 
they made them afraid for me yeah I just think like it doesn't so I you know I live in Mexico and um my most of my podcast content and my blog content is all about solo travel in Mexico and you know I mean I'm sure there are other countries in the world that this applies to New Zealand I know is known as one of the safest countries in the world Mexico is known as one of the least safe countries in the world but you know I feel like definitely if you mention that you're going solo traveling anywhere, even New Zealand, considering mm-hmm. considered the safest country in the world, or Mexico, it doesn't matter what country, you know, you're going to get warnings from people. And I think it's just their default response. You know, I get like, like, I love that you're saying you're going like a layer deeper with, say, your brother or, or whoever gave you like earthquake warnings, you know, they're like, oh, there's earthquakes. And you're like, but I lived in a place with earthquakes, you know, and I think it's really just the default response to try to like protect, um, to be like protective of women. And, you know, there's, for me, there's like the whole subtext of like that we're not allowed, that we're not capable of like critical thinking or whatever on our own. Again, I hope people are well-meaning and I assume they are, but, you know, just like, I guess, you know, like who warns someone about earthquakes? Like that seems strange to me. It was, yeah, that was a really strange, cause there was like the big Kaikoura earthquake, like, I don't know, like weeks or like a month before I was leaving. And I was like, cool, thanks for, for pointing that out. I can't wait to go see it, <laughs> you know? like. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it seems to me that it's like people are I mean, of course, it was probably in the news and all that kind of stuff, but it seems like digging for a reason to, like, warn you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you maybe unnecessarily. So, um, yeah, I, um, you write that, like, certain fears might not be easier than others. Um, Can you talk about maybe, like, some of the ones that are, like, you know, easier and maybe just like an easy way to work through it or maybe something, you know, harder that, you know, you might have to like do a little bit more like prep for in your mind. Mm. Um, so like, I don't know if this is what you're exactly asking, but something that really gets me is um, knowing where I'm going to be staying and sleeping. Um, that never gets easy for me to, to deal with. Um, and that stems from, you know, a sexual assault that happened while I was sleeping. Um, And as much like pre-planning as I do, like booking places and, you know, um, if I'm staying with like friends, like asking all the right questions about who else is gonna be there and um, where I'll be sleeping exactly. Like I ask so many questions if I'm like staying at a friend's house. And then like, you know, looking at reviews of hostels and um, making sure it seems like really safe, uh, a really safe place to stay. Um, Doing doing all the legwork, like I think I I go above and beyond in that department. Um, And and I don't know if I'll ever 
stop going above and beyond when it comes to planning that part of my travel. Um, just because that's like a really big, deep seated um, anxiety for me. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that answered that question. No, yeah. I mean, like, that's like, first of all, I'm sorry that happened to you, but um, that's like a, a, a deep level of like self awareness, you know, that you have about yourself. And, you know, again, like honoring that for you and taking the time to ask extra questions or do extra work on your own part because, you know, you know that you know, if you're sort of anxious about that, it can just sort of spiral, I guess, into, into, you know, like, I guess, um, I don't know, I don't want to like, say bigger problems. But you know, those kind of things like, like throw you off, I think, in general, like when you have, you know, it's, you take the time to do your research, because it's going to like mentally sort of, you know, give you harmony. Yeah, like I feel, I feel more prepared. And I feel like I, you know, like I'm advocating for myself and um, like just knowing that I have that part all set and like these places are, are my choice. Um, it makes me feel much better. And it's still, you know, it doesn't take away the anxiety of of getting to that place and and you know like trying it out and making sure that I actually do feel safe there um it doesn't make that fear go away but it definitely helps to like go in prepared yeah I love what you wrote in the blog that facing certain fears may not get easier the more you do it but recalling the skills you learn will Right, so what was I, what was I thinking when um, I wrote that? Like you, you learn all sort of, all sorts of skills. Um, yeah, it's, it's not ever like, you know, you know, you're not, you may never learn how to not have a fear. I mean, you're a human your, again, you know, your intuition is designed to highlight your fears for you. <laughs> you know, it's more about like, and everyone's different, you know, everyone's coping, let's say skills or me coping mechanisms are different, but you learn yours. And now, you know, you know, like, you know, so for example, you, you have the thought, I'm feeling anxious about where I'm staying. I'm feeling anxious about where I'm staying. Where am I sleeping? Where am I sleeping? You know, you're not going to probably, you may never not have that thought, but now you know your coping mechanisms. I just have to ask questions. I have to read hostile reviews. I, you know, like now you know your steps to like quiet sort of that internal dialogue. So it doesn't turn into like, well, I'm just not going to go on this trip. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. Um, so you write in your blog about um, anxiety and, uh, yeah, I love I love that you make this distinction that anxiety and uh, fear are really not the same. Like, would you kind of expand on that? Um, yeah, so anxiety is like, 
anticipation of something that hasn't happened yet. And so you can have anxiety because you're anticipating facing your fears. <laughs> and like a fear is, can be like a clearly defined thing or situation or, um, I, I don't know how else to define it. Um, well, it's uh, a fear. <laughs> yeah, like it's, but like when you fear something, you're not fearing. It's like, not like what might be. What might happen. It's like you're fearing this thing. And anxiety is when you're like imagining this fear happening to you. Is that, does that, is that making sense? Yeah, I've heard it described as like, um, what is it like? Anxiety is living in the future and fear is living in the past. Oh. Yeah. I don't even know if, if that further makes sense. I've heard um, the, I've heard that with anxiety and depression. Yeah, I've also heard it with depression as well. Yeah, but I think it works with fear too. Like, yeah. Um, it totally makes sense if, when you put it that way with fear. Like, so like fear is something that maybe has happened. Yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. Um, so how do you, let's like put that in the context of, of like, I guess, traveling solo. So how does anxiety, I guess, come up for you or how did it come up for you? Let's, you know, say before your, your big trip to New Zealand. Um, I felt really anxious as I was preparing for that trip um, about, I mean, obviously where I was going to stay um, because on this trip, because it was so long, I didn't book all of my accommodations ahead of time, which is what I normally do. Um, so that was, that was something that was a high level anxiety. Um, but otherwise, um, I also felt anxiety about what I was going to bring with me. Like, I didn't want to be unprepared for anything, especially because I was going um, on a working holiday visa and I wasn't sure what kind of work I was going to be doing. So I didn't know what type of clothes to bring. Like, if I needed, like, farm kind of clothes or office kind of clothes or like if I was going to be working in restaurants like what kind of shoes would I need like it was a that caused me a lot of anxiety um, well yeah it's definitely all of the unknowns um yeah. of travel which honestly is kind of like of course that's going to come up for you but that's that's going to come up for you like if you're going shopping, you're going to be like, oh, am I going to a big, huge mall where I walk a lot? Is this mall usually cold? Should I bring a sweater? You know, it's like the same kind of things, I guess, just maybe like on a bigger scale. Bigger scale, yeah. Um, so what, was there anything, you know, as prepared as you seem to have been, was there something maybe that, you know, you didn't bring and then realized it wasn't actually a problem after all anyway um 
I actually think more, I brought so much stuff that I ended up not using. Exactly. That's everybody. <laughs> Such a waste of like lugging it around. Um, half the stuff I, I brought with me, I just kept in storage the whole time I was there. And I was so annoyed with myself. Yeah, I think this is like an especially big um, bigger problem I think for people from the U.S. like now living in I've been in Mexico three years now and like mm -hmm. I have like it's like kind of like funny how it's like there's all kinds of blogs for you know U.S. audiences about like how to only travel with a carry-on like I've seen like every Mexican travels with a book bag for a week <laughs> like, you know and it's it's because like Americans just like we just have more stuff yeah we so have stuff and and like we think that we can't get the same stuff anywhere else. Like I brought these like big hiking boots because I thought I was going to go on all these hikes and I actually ended up not hiking. I actually preferred hanging out in the cities when I was in New Zealand. Um, but I brought these hiking boots and they're so big and clunky and I just carried them around the whole time. And I could have just bought hiking boots while I was there if I needed them. Yeah, and of course that's like an extra payment that nobody wants to make. And that's a big part of why, you know. But. Yeah, but that's, you know, you can. <laughs> I could have, I could you have if I needed them. And like, that's the case with so many, so many other, um, so many other things. Yeah. Um, so. I know we're gonna get to, you know, your actual fears, um, like the title of the blog, How Travel Forces Me to Face My Fears. There are like some actual fears with like actionable tips that you have about how, how travel has helped you with your own. Um, but I love what you wrote here about anxiety. And it says, for those of you who also experience pre-travel anxiety, which side note is everybody, alive um stop right now and think about the root of your anxiety how is it manifesting and what does it really come down to so what do you what do you mean by that and how can people kind of like walk people through the process of like okay so i'm feeling anxious you know do i need to bring my hiking boots like what would you do to kind of like backtrack that to like a state of calm mm, so yeah, I think it, it's like just what I said, like I brought them because I didn't want to be unprepared. Um, and that I think feeling unprepared is like a control thing, which actually a lot of people who suffer from anxiety have this, you know, need to control situations and then when they feel like they are losing control is when anxiety comes up. Yeah, again, it's like that living in the in the future. In the future, yeah. So, you know, it hasn't even happened yet, but maybe I might need this, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the anxious person will, will think like, well, what will other people think if I show up and, and I don't, I'm not prepared for this, you know, hike that we're going to go on. I have to like go buy hiking boots or, or whatever it is. Like, um, 
like just yeah I, th I think it all comes down to wanting to feel in control yeah and I, I really think that's so I traveled solo for about a year straight um and I think that's the first thing that has to go <laughs> for me or for me that was the first thing that went um I yeah or yeah. like but I mean, then I started realizing like, you were never in control. You just kind of convinced yourself you were, you know? Right. So it was really what, what like, you know, because I still like to an extent, like I like to have an idea of what's going on. Um, I don't like to have a plan anymore, but I like to like, you know, you know, I'm never gonna lose that part of myself that likes to plan. Like I, I like when things are in order. I like, you know, having a clue. I'm not like a total gypsy mm -hmm. kind of a person, which like, you know, I'll always be jealous of those people. I'll always kind of want to even be more and more kind of go with the flow. But, you know, I think for me, the first thing that, that went through solo travel was, was that um, the need for control or even like, I guess like one level deeper was like, why do I want to control everything? Who wants mm. to go travel the world and simultaneously want to control everything. You know, those things don't even add up. Right. I think like most, well, I could see some people traveling that way, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not that way, except for where I sleep. <laughs> control of that. But um, otherwise I am pretty flexible with everything else that happens when, when I travel, especially after this, um, this trip to New Zealand, I definitely learned a whole lot about myself on that trip. Yeah. Would you say that you, you, um, you know, you, you changed a lot after that trip? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I was going to be there for a year, ended up only staying for three months, but it was an incredible three months. Um, just like three months of almost constant travel around the country. Um, and I definitely learned uh, how to be even more self-aware. Like I'm so self-aware, it's ridiculous. Um, and I know exactly what I need from myself and what I need from other people when I travel and, and even when I'm not traveling. Um, I, I know how to like soothe myself if I am feeling anxious. Um, and all because like when I was there, I, I only had me to rely on so I had to learn these things, you know? Yeah, I always tell people that travel, especially solo travel, is like the quickest form of therapy. And I did, I did traditional therapy, which like I credit so much to like becoming like what I consider a strong and independent person to actual traditional therapy. Mm -hmm. But I learned in like one week of solo travel what like took us a year in therapy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but I also have been in, in therapy myself and specifically I found um, a therapist that would help me learn um, cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I did. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. It is a life changer. Um, and I put a lot of those lessons I learned learning cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy into my travel experiences. Um, if you can imagine. How I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. And I probably did the same because like, and if anyone's never heard of that, it's like basically instead of like talking therapy, let's call it, it's more like how to make behavior changes. So, you know, I guess with a lot of people with therapy, they're like, why did this happen to me? You know, like, and you're sort of, you can get caught in a spiral or a loop of like, why, why, why? Because every answer to why opens another door that you want to ask why about that. So it's about, you know, ways to change your behavior um, to change, you know, your, your thought processes too. So, yeah. It, it like teaches you how to think differently about situations. It's, yeah. it's incredible and I think people, everyone should have some training in it. Me too. I, I say that like therapy is like, there's nothing that really everyone should do <laughs> except therapy. I think everyone... <laughs> I think everyone should do some form of therapy. Um, but yeah, and I always just like follow that up with like, you know, solo travel is the quickest form of therapy or definitely has been for me. For me too, yeah, for sure. So we're going to take a very quick break and we're going to come back and actually like kind of um, talk about, about like specific fears. Um, I know you, you mentioned the one about feeling safe where you sleep, but um, hopefully we can get into that a little bit more and, uh, some other fears that you have that also might resonate with people. So we will be right back. Welcome back. And as mentioned, we are going to be talking about some specific fears. Um, and of course these are Brittany's specific fears, but it's more like about, you know, recognizing your own and then finding your own kind of coping mechanisms or coping skills, however you want to call it, ways to transcend the fears, um, you know, and a good way to do that is by seeing how other people do it. So uh, she writes in her blog that some of her biggest fears either came true um, on her way to New Zealand or once she started traveling around New Zealand, when she actually got there and look, she's alive to write about it. So I found that really funny because that's definitely true. Um, I think, you know, the worst case scenario when a fear comes up is like letting it spiral into paralysis. So you're then not going to do things because the fear has taken over where, you know, as I mentioned, I, I don't know. I know people are well-meaning when they say that you're brave if you solo travel, but it's really like, you're the opposite of brave. <laughs> you're scared, but you're doing it anyway. So, yeah. Um, so, you have uh, in this blog some of what you call your major fears, um, and I know one of the ones you wrote about is some like PTSD. And would you uh, would you be so kind as to <laughs> kind of talk about some you know? You don't have to get into, of course, what happened to you, but like how you deal with that, because I think a lot of people are, you know, at least on some level, you know, suffering from PTSD of some kind, 
whether, you know, it was, and it's really like how you manifest it, you know, you could have like seen a car accident happen and now you have anxiety in a car or fears about someone else driving you around in a car and like nothing essentially happened to you, but you know, you, you, we kind of feel those feelings the same in our body, that trauma lives in our body regardless of the situation. Yeah, that is a really good point. And um, that's something I learned when I first started doing the um, cognitive behavioral therapy was it was specifically for PTSD. And, and, you know, the therapist had taught me that PTSD can, it's not, you know, most people think that it's like military veterans that have PTSD. Like that's what it's mostly associated with. But like you said, like everyone to a degree has experienced some kind of trauma and it can be trauma from just witnessing something bad happen to someone else. Um, and, and learning that was like, uh, it was like I turned a corner in my, in my own, um, you know, mental healing journey, um, just, just learning that. And, and also just learning like what trauma is, which is boiled down. It's just something out of the ordinary that happens to you. So like for everyone, something traumatic will be so vastly different. Um, it doesn't always have to be something like life altering or um, violent or, you know, any of the things that are kind of commonly associated with PTSD. Um, but for you specifically, your, so your fear um, mm -hmm. comes up with sleeping sleeping yeah so um since since that sexual assault um happened so long ago um i i just have trouble sleeping um anywhere i you know suffer from insomnia um waking up in the middle of the night for no reason um and it's taken a lot of trial and error to get um, to a place where I can sleep through the night, even just at home. So then add in traveling and sleeping in unfamiliar places on, you know, like a daily basis almost. Um, it was really hard to deal with at first. And, and like I mentioned before, um, to prepare for that is, um, is how I do all of the like pre-planning and all of the research um, that really makes me feel better about actually going and sleeping in unfamiliar places all the time. Um, I think um, sleep specifically is like a big topic. Uh, is there anything like that you that you know, like maybe do you do like meditation techniques or 
like melatonin I know is like good for sleep or things like that that you know has helped you because that's like honestly that's I feel like a lot of people could talk themselves out of travel by just being like I don't sleep well I'm not and being in an unfamiliar situation is even worse. Like you have to sleep to live. It's one of those things like, you know, you can't travel if you have a fear of drinking water because you need water, you know, you know, and you, you need sleep. Um, so I think that's something that someone could kind of easily talk themselves out of. So how do you, with, you know, knowing yourself well enough to know, um, how big of a fear that is for you? How do you, um, besides like the planning, is there any other ways that, or tips that you have? Yeah, so actually like while, like um, after all the pre-planning and making sure I, I'm, I know where I'm sleeping, once I'm actually there and, because um, you're right, sleep is so important. Like who wants to be traveling and be sleep deprived and, you know, like groggy and, and not able to actually enjoy where you are? <laughs> Um, sleep is very important also for staying healthy while you're traveling so like I always get a full night rest when when I'm out traveling Um, I'm that person that will go to bed early so that I can get up early the next morning Um, some things that I do um, melatonin really really works well for me Um, and drinking lots of water, keeping uh, myself super hydrated is really important because, um, you know, I mostly stay in hostels and hostels are known to be very warm. I think that they keep them too hot. Um, And so when you're a little dehydrated, you can, you know, overheat while you're sleeping. Um, I don't know. That is a, a well-known fact or not, but um, staying hydrated, melatonin. Um, I don't really meditate. I haven't gotten into that, um, but I do know that it helps a lot of people. Um, but I do like to shower before I go to bed um, when I travel. Um, I think that the like warm water kind of helps me get sleepy. Um, What else do I do? Um, I I keep myself, like um, I take vitamins and stuff at home and I make sure to bring them with me so that I can continue taking them. Um, I think having that routine, like keeping as close to my routine at home when I travel is really important. Yeah. um, You know, I I take my vitamins every night when I get into bed. And so it's like a trigger for my, you know, system to be like, okay, she's taking vitamins. Now it's time to relax and get ready to sleep. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I, I mean, I've even seen that tip for like people, you know, who are wanting to get up earlier or kind of a thing and how to like kind of reset your internal clock. And that's one of the big ways is um, having the routine. And yeah, like you meant like the triggers, you know, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I saw this thing. Um, it's an acronym and it says HALT. And it's like what to do when you're 
you know, I guess feeling f- too fearful or anxious. And it stands for like to ask yourself, are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And mm. yeah, like, you know, without, without the, like the sleep, not to like harp on the sleep, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you like actually for me, like, I don't think you're operating at a hundred percent. And again, that's just another way that you can so easily slip into like a fearful spell or like an anxious spell, you know? So if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you know, you're almost at your most vulnerable in a way. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I do halt all the time. (laughs) So you talk a little bit about um, how travel has helped you, you know, face the fear of, um, of where you sleep. And, you know, you kind of go into the, the same story about, uh, you know, the issue with the hostel, so you don't have to tell it again. But how would you, like, say you have a girlfriend, maybe who has, I don't know, the same fear, or a similar fear, or, you know, maybe you're even just sensing that, like, oh, she's just talking about the loss of control like she's really just afraid of like the loss of control like how do you advise how would you advise someone on just sort of like working through that kind of stuff you know using the lessons maybe that you you use for yourself um so like first I would never try to diminish you know how how that person is feeling because it's all too real you know um, I would just try to instill some confidence in them to, um, you know, like kind of dig deep and, and see what was actually happening. Um, like if they're feeling afraid of not knowing where they're going to be staying, then, then help them to self-soothe, like calm themselves down, do some grounding exercises, um, realize that they're not in imminent danger, <laughs> you know, like their, their life is not um, in danger in that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, because you can essentially sleep anywhere. Like if you just yeah. lay down, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's actually not like it might be feel f- fearful for you, but it's it's not like end of the world apocalypse level fear, you know, unless you kind of let it turn into that. Um, I love what you wrote in the blog, like when you're talking about finding out that you're hostile is uh is giving you problems with your reservation you wrote I was in a sweaty panic for about 20 minutes before I took things into my own hands and figured out the situation something that I do far more often than I give myself credit for I think um that's so key because once you're in that panic state you know you start forgetting all the ways you know how to like not be in that panic state (laughs) Right. Yeah. And man, I just was sent right back to that, that moment. Um, in that, that was in Fiji. Um, so I wasn't even in New Zealand yet when this happened. Um, 
Oh, this is another hostile story? Yeah, this was, this is a different situation. This was just a weird mistake that happened with the booking of this hostel um, before I even arrived. And I didn't find out until I was like, just hours away from, from arriving and didn't have this place to stay that I thought that I was taken care of. And I was like, oh my God, I, I like in the moment I like forgot that I could like search for a place to stay online and, and book something myself. Like I just like became this like totally I don't even like I, I didn't even recognize myself you know like I messaged a friend that I have in that she was already in New Zealand and I was like oh my god my hostel is like I don't even I don't have a place to stay like can I stay with you I don't know what to do oh, and she's like can't you just book another place and I'm like yeah I <laughs> can actually you're right like, <laughs> I'm in control of this I have the power to <laughs> look up a place and just book it like it's not a big deal and and that's what I did I just and and I even booked it at the same place that I thought I had booked it before or you know that I thought it had been booked for me um because it was the the working holiday visa company that like I went through that was supposed to have done it for me um man yeah that was a that was a situation well, first of all, you, maybe you need to look into like Airbnb private rooms at like a female's <laughs> house. I don't think you have the best luck with hostels. No, but I'm kidding. But like your, I mean, your friend obviously was like not in a panic state of mind and was able to make like what you see now as like the really basic, most logical next step, you know, whereas like when you're sort of just in your fear, you know, you, you don't make the best decisions you're not logical when you're panicking. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, like, again, I, I, for me, I just can't ever stress enough that like solo travel has like taught me in a million different ways how not to like get to that place. You know, how to keep asking yourself questions until you realize that like, oh wait, this is actually not the end of the world. Like, <laughs> even if I had the thought that it was like, I can have another thought that it's not, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize this was a second hostile story. Um, I didn't. I forgot about this one, actually. <laughs> and this, like, you know, the whole thing is in the blog, but um, I love that you, you know, you kind of touched on, like, you know, you're confronted with this, like, do you have to stay in the, you know, the, the co-ed dorm and not wanting to and like the difference of you in your late 20s would have been like yes and the dif- you know you in your 30s you know now you have no problem saying like no thank you I'll find another place you know walking away from a situation that doesn't suit you anymore and like that's exactly the kind of like coping mechanisms um, that I think you know you only get from facing your fears right and you know, and, and I, th- I don't want to say it has to do with like life experience or anything, because I'm sure there are, are 
women in their 20s that are, you know, at this at this level now. But like when I was in my early 20s, I was just like wanted I didn't want to ever make anyone else feel uncomfortable. So I would make myself feel uncomfortable to, to, to mitigate causing that for anyone else. So I would not like stand up for myself and, you know, situations like, like this would have gone completely different. Well, good for you I mean I think like a an overarching theme at least that I pick up on is like you know like the doing it anyway <laughs> like yeah. the the continually like doing it anyway like I I don't like I'm not mm-hmm. you know this is an ideal can I make it ideal if not like what's the best best case scenario can we do that you know and and just kind of not letting anything be like a full stop hard no to like, you know, in this case, solo travel or really just doing the thing you want to do. Yeah. So one of your other fears um, is large crowds, especially in enclosed spaces, which I mean, is that agoraphobia or is that big open spaces? I think that's open spaces. Oh, I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not sure. Yeah, agoraphobia is like the fear of big, huge open spaces. I think a lot of people end up just sort of staying in their homes with that one. So whatever the opposite of agoraphobia, (laughs) uh, which I don't know what that is. So your your fear is large crowds, especially in enclosed spaces. So how, I mean, how do you cope with that in travel? I mean, even airports can have large crowds and are in enclosed spaces. So you're, that's even like step one. Everywhere is like so crowded when you travel, it's crazy. Um, And yeah, I don't know, is is it claustrophobia would be the opposite? Oh, yeah, I don't know how I didn't remember that. that. No, it is. but I like I so. for me, if, if it's exactly that, because I'm like okay with small spaces. It's just the the people and, <laughs> and the crowd that I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like I'm I'm fine on a plane, but then you know when I actually sit and and think about like how many people are actually there, it's like oh my god, so many people. Um, yeah. I think crowds are, are a big thing, especially even like now, um, I think. Oh gosh, yeah. But I think our lives have become like very specific. Like you can go online and find your like little like niche of people and do very like niche things nowadays. And like before, back in the day, it was like you had to like cast like a larger social net, you know, to find your your group of people, let's say. And now you can just go online and be like people who like to do acro yoga on this one beach in San Francisco and you'll find those 12 people <laughs> you know yeah there's all your your best friends right there <laughs> yeah so like I think um I think even more and more like the skill of being in like super large crowds um and of course enclosed spaces claustrophobia I think is a, is a big thing with a lot of people so how do you what are some ways that you uh you deal with these things um so 
what I always try to do is if I'm if I'm in a crowd, which is very often, um, I try to stay on like the outside of the crowd. I don't like put myself in this in the center where I could get like you know like my anxiety uh, manifests in imagining this thing that will never happen is the the crowd like comes in on me and just like squishes me and like I get lost and like fall down and everyone's like trampling me like that's that's what my my anxiety imagines um so I, I tend to stay on like the outside of the crowd like in the back or on the sides um where I feel nice and safe um I always know where the exits are like if there is an emergency in a crowd, you can come to me and I'll be like, this is where we need to go. <laughs> this is how we get out the fastest. Um, like I, I make, a, I make a, an, an escape plan immediately when I enter a place that uh, is crowded. And um, I always have things with me that are very comforting. Um, so like when I, when I fly, I have this like little kit that I bring, which is like uh, a nice big comfy hoodie, um, my earbuds to, to block out all of the noise um, and like a sweet, like a, a candy is always really comforting to me. And, and that's, I like, it's like my flying uh, uniform is like the hoodie with the hood up the entire time, like all the way over. So it's like covering my eyes, my earbuds are in, I'm listening to like um, probably this playlist that I made specifically for flying. Um, and, and I'm just like constantly eating the candies and I just forget where I am for a little while. Yeah, and you also mentioned um, sitting in a window seat. Oh, gosh, yeah, so that's, like, part of um, being on, like, the outside of, like, the crowd. Yeah, and also you, like, you know, have access to being able to look out a window. So even though you're definitely in an enclosed space, you know, you can kind of trick your brain into being like, no, we're not. <laughs> look at this window with this view. Like, look yeah. at this proof that we're not. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that I'm like having a conversation with someone who's been through some therapy, <laughs> um, you know, which is super cool. So, um, yeah, I always, um, you know, the things that bring you comfort is, is, and that could be anything like, obviously candy is great. Like the sugar probably sends all kinds of endorphins to your brain, but, um, you know, that could be that could really be anything. And that's just like even a great tip outside of flying. Like a lot of people will, will bring just like one little thing from home and keep it on like the table next to their bed when they travel. So it's like the first thing you see when you wake up, it's like the last thing you see before you go to sleep is something that like gives you kind of like a warm, I guess like fuzzy feeling of, of comfort within yeah. yourself. So yeah. Yeah, if you have any kind of like fear or anxiety about flying, especially, which a lot of people do, you know, yeah, pull that out on the plane as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of like, um, 
god, like those little stones, like I think they're called worry stones. Um, and they come in like all different, like they could be wood or they could be like a, a certain type of like crystal or um, a rock even that has like a little thumbprint in it. Um, and I've heard people use those, like they just kind of keep them in their pocket or, or whatever. And, and when they are feeling anxiety, they can like hold it and like kind of rub their thumb on like the little thumbprint. Um, have you heard of these things? I've never heard of it, but that makes total sense because you're actually like touching it, you know, right. of course, and obviously like involving as many senses as you can is, is like tricking the brain even further. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I've never it, heard of them. It could be anything. It could be any, any kind of object, but I just specifically remember someone um, recommending that to me. Yeah, those are cool. And I mean, even if you don't want to like buy a whole other thing, you know, like no, maybe yeah. even like, yeah, yeah, like even like, I don't know, what's like something super tiny. It could even be, you like know, your on the, on the street, you know, like, or yeah, like from your garden. Yeah. Or like, yeah, from the beach or something or yeah, from your favorite beach. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like a, a shell or even like, you know, they like, um, like even a, like a hair tie or a bracelet around your wrist because you're gonna see that all the time. And that's like another thing that you can easily touch. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, yeah. So specifically you write about um, how travel has, has helped you to face this fear of large crowds in enclosed spaces. So will you tell me about this, your, your final flight from Fiji to New Zealand story? Oh, yeah. So when I booked the flight, I had selected um, a window seat, which I always do on every flight that I take. Like I pay the extra if it costs extra, because for my peace of mind, that's what I need. So I checked in um, for this final flight from Fiji to New Zealand and the woman informed me that I would be in an IOC and I was like no 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 like I selected a window seat specifically because I need it and she's like well that's not how it works actually um, it's just you're assigned and and I tried to argue like, no, I had like, you know, selected it and paid extra even. And she still was just like, nope, it's just, it's assigned when you get here. And I'm like, that is just not true. Like I was so confused. Um, and, you know, they tried to make it like sound good. They're like, oh, you get extra leg room and stuff. I was like, I don't care about leg room. Like I care about the window and and this like need that I have to be on the outside of this like crowded small space. Um, but she didn't change, she didn't like allow the change. So um, I boarded the plane and sat in my aisle seat and really started to kind of panic when I was on that plane um, or like, you know, getting into that aisle seat and 
I, at that point, I did speak up um, when in, in other cases, I may not have spoken up and I would have just like dealt with it, but it was like a, I want to say it was like a five hour flight, like four or five hours. And I'm like, can I actually like do this? <laughs> like sit in the seat for four or five hours and like feel this way for that long. Like I didn't think I could sustain the heart rate that <laughs> I had at that point. Um, so I like, you know, called the um, flight attendant over and I was like, I really don't want to sit here. Um, and it was an exit, like it was like emergency exit row as well. So, you know, like when you sit in one, you kind of, you agree to be the person to like take care of the whole plane and like open the emergency door and whatever, in a, which I, I think I, I could have handled if I was on a on the inside or you know on the outside or however however you would say it if I was like in the window seat um but since I wasn't and the I was sitting next to a couple who I did ask if they would like switch with me and they would not switch with me um so um I had to I had to like really stand up for myself and be like, I cannot sit here. And she was like, you know, asked me, is it because you don't want to, you know, in case of emergency, be the person to um, open the emergency door? I was like, no, it's not because of that. I just, I can't sit here. I'm like really panicking. I was supposed to have a window seat and I, I explained the whole thing. And she didn't um, move me right away but she like went I guess she like went and asked around other people around the plane if they would switch with me and this man that was like in a in a window seat in the back somewhere said that he would switch with me so um so we did and I, I mean I can't imagine how I would have felt for like four or five hours sitting in that seat just just panicking I felt oh, so much better when when I was moved to the to the back seat. Um, I'm glad that this story had a happy ending for you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I think it's definitely, you know, the whole topic of like, you know, what if you had just, you know, you stuck it out, which you could physically do, you'd only have to sit, like, that's all you were actually really required yeah. to do in that situation. But like, you know, speaking up for yourself and you know being like I do have this kind of fear going on and I'm gonna try and do whatever I can about it you know rather than just sitting in it and sitting with it like you could have just sat there and been afraid the whole time and you would have made it to New Zealand just the same yeah but right. you know like it's I think that's the difference of like bravery what people want to call bravery and like you know, what's actually, what really bravery is to me is like having the fear and doing it anyway. So it was probably even fear inducing to be like, no, I don't want to sit here. No, I, I feel this way about, you know, this, I paid for an extra scene. I didn't get it. You know, you're probably upset. You're probably a lot of emotions. And 
you know, I feel like it was probably just as much fear to, to, you know, work through it. But, you know, I think what happened for you is probably honestly what would happen for most people when they sort of confront their fear and, and try to move through it is, you know, there's really a, a, there's a wonderful outcome on the other side in most cases. Right. And yeah, I think, you know, like I mentioned, um, it was the emergency exit row and, and I really was like, what are they going to think about me saying that I can't sit, like, like, I don't want to be in this situation, like, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I did have the thought of like, what are they going to think of me for not wanting to sit in this seat? Like, are they going to think that I don't care about everyone on the plane in an emergency? Like, you know, um, so like that was even something that I had to get over to be able to speak up for myself to, to get a different seat. Oh, um, for sure. There's like fear on a number of levels, but I, I mean, for me, it seems like the only way around the fear is through it. Yeah. Yeah. I had um, to get through all of those different things happening. <laughs> Yeah, but you did. And like you mentioned, you're still here to tell the story, <laughs> you know, like, which, you know, I think is, is hopefully been like the bigger theme of, um, of everything we, we talked about today. And then in the end, like, how cool you have this like amazing story to tell of like a three month solo travel adventure, like halfway around the world to New Zealand where I've never been, but I am told is an amazing country. It is so amazing and I can't wait to go back. <laughs> yeah, I never hear bad things about New Zealand. Like there's some of those countries where like people go and they're like, eh. And I just have never heard that about New Zealand. Right, yeah. So um, I wanna thank you so much for chatting with me today and um, like, I guess being vulnerable enough to like kind of go there on maybe some some big topics. I know like fear and anxiety is uh, definitely a big topic. And then your personal fears is even like another whole level deeper of like opening up about the topic. So thank you so much for, you. for that. Um, if people or when people want to connect with you online, how would they best go about that? Um, yeah, I... I'm on Instagram, um, and my handle is um, she goes with purpose. Um, that's about it. <laughs> um, I don't do the Twitter or anything like that. I try to keep my my online presence pretty um, narrow. Um, yeah, well, everyone's on on Insta, so yeah, yeah. Who's um, yeah. Uh, um, cool. Well, this blog um, is going to be linked in the show notes. If you want to read more, if you want to read more Brittany's blogs, if you want to find her on Insta, you can obviously link out to her Instagram from her blog too. So I hope, um, I hope you got a lot out of this talk. Fears and anxieties are really not something to, I hate to like use the definition, but they're not something to fear. They're more something to understand and 
figure out your best ways for dealing with them because that's going to be different for every single person and what worked for Brittany might not work for you but you know hearing other people's stories like this is a good jumping off place so now you have like okay well I'm kind of afraid of planes so maybe I'll try this window seat thing and see if that works for me And, you know, if it doesn't, then maybe, you know, on your next flight, try a middle seat and see if that works for you. And it's really about just like, like once you know what works for you, like, you know, all those skills to transcend fears and anxieties for you personally, like you become like unstoppable and capable of doing anything that you want from solo travel to, you know, anything, starting your business, all of the above. So thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Dream to Destination. And I hope to catch up with you again next week where we talk about solo travel, Mexico travel, and sometimes solo travel in Mexico. So until then, nos vemos chicas. That means see you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the Dream to Destination podcast. I hope you continue tuning in as I release new episodes each Monday. If you prefer to be notified when they come out, just head to your podcast provider of choice and hit that subscribe button. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please also consider leaving a written review and a star rating. These two things help push us up in the algorithm so that other travelers can find us. Speaking of other travelers, if you know anyone who would love this podcast, please also share it with them. And then let's all be friends over on the socials. I'm on Insta, Facebook, and Pinterest at Travel Mexico Solo and on Twitter at Travel Mex Solo. Thanks again for tuning in and I really hope this will not be our last conversation.